Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Yes, sir. It like last night or yesterday it was going to start getting cold again. You know, a little bit cold. We're all right this morning. Amen. We're just not built for that that stuff that goes on up on up there. This is Florida. We need Florida weather. Amen. So thankful to be here. We're in our series two, uh, talking about victory through the faith and um, Brother Everett started us out. Followed by Brother Rayleigh and then Brother Williams. And today our subject, Sister Boy had already talked about it, is as for me and my house. We have to make that decision. In Joshua 24 and 15 it says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell now where you are now but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord I've already made up my mind my house and I are we going to serve the Lord God wants us to remain committed to him consecrated to him we've been involved in a, a fast in the last couple of weeks up Pray everyone that will is tapped in and joined with us because I was talking with someone yesterday about fasting and we were just uh, going through it. And, I, you know, it's not about moving God. He's, he's here. It's about moving us closer to Him. It's about afflicting the soul, the flesh. It's really not about food. But what would afflict the soul more than going out without food? And so that's why God chose that. Because nothing afflicts the soul more than that. But really it's about growing closer to Him. Going further with Him. Matthew 26, 38 and 39 says, Then saith He unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Man, Brother Bishop, uh, or Bishop uh, McKillop said this. He wrote, and I'm not pretty much going to quote verbatim, and he said the dualistic nature of Christ was on full display 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was fully God and fully man. Each of his natures, natures was possessing a will that would oppose the other. And to please the will of his Father, he must grieve the will of his flesh and vice versa. His torment was real and described as being in agony. There's a battle of wills that, that each of us here today face every day in our lives. Our will and God's will. Our flesh warring with our spirit. And there must be submission to God's will. And that submission requires death. The death of our self-will. We serve God in our minds. Our flesh can't please Him. We can't rely on our will because it's powerless in the spirit realm. And the spirit world is, is more real than the physical world. And we access our world by our five senses. And we believe that our senses tell us the truth. So we develop thought patterns, sometimes harmful, by thinking our senses are telling us what is real and what is not real. And because of this, we fail to see the invisible workings of God. And the death of our self-will cannot be destroyed by God or it's not submission. God will not violate our will, nor will He let someone else nor will he let Satan violate it. And it's at this moment that he leaves his inner circle as he's in the garden. He leaves the inner circle of the three disciples and he goes a little further because they, they can't go with him. They went as far as they could go, but he, he must go a little further. The battle of wheels will push us a little further. And then we, then we were before. He had already come from Galilee, or from glory rather, to Galilee, and from Galilee to Gethsemane, and is now going a little further. Luke said he was about a stone's cast. Luke also wrote about the stoning of Stephen. It seems that Luke understood that a stone's cast was equivalent to the distance of death. So to resolve the conflict of wheels, one must go a little further, the distance of death. We must take up our cross and follow him and, and, and need not think that we can skip Gethsemane. You can't, you can't bypass it. You can't bypass the cross. You can't bypass the altar of repentance. It's going to take us going a little further in prayer and travail, our flesh or self-will will not volunteer to die. It must be crucified. Amen. Brother Joel Urshan said in a message here a while back, he was talking about Jesus being on the cross. He said, when the soldier went up there and stabbed him in the ribs, in the side, the reason he didn't respond, the reason he didn't act back or do anything against him was because his flesh was completely dead. 
Amen. Our flesh must be completely dead. We must pick up Jesus' heartbeat and catch his vision. Amen. As, Je- as Israel left the wilderness behind and crossed over the Jordan River, they were now faced with the responsibility of possessing the promised land. And God spoke to the 110-year-old leader named Joshua with sobering caution. God reminded Israel they were inheriting a land for which they did not work for. They would be living in homes and that they did not build, having the luxury of cities and stores that they did not start businesses that they did not uh, start up from scratch. There'd be some things that they would, in, would be able to partake in that they did not labor in. The fruit on their lips and in their bellies came from vineyards they neither planted nor nurtured. We serve a God of process. Amen. We serve a God of process. And Israel needed to understand God desired to raise up a people who would serve him and no other gods. He desired a people that he could take back to a garden that he once created. That's what he's always wanting, to get back to that place with man and commune with him. Once Joshua reminded them that because Abraham believed and pledged his life to God, He was called righteous, the father of the faithful. God thought it was important to remind them of his favor and provision that he had extended to them. God not only delivered their forefathers from their Egyptian bondage, but he also fought for them. In Joshua 24 and 11, he said, And ye went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and I delivered them, all of them, into your hand. Most of the people that day that Joshua was was addressing had not lived through much of that. They had not known about living in Egypt. Neither had their hearts been melted when they were standing at the Red Sea. Hearing Pharaoh's army coming behind them, they wasn't there. They didn't didn't hear the crashing of the waves as God buried their past behind them. This generation of Israelites were not at Mount Sinai. They didn't see or hear the roaring that was going on there, the, the rumbling of the earth. They didn't hear the Ten Commandments that God etched in stone with his finger and he gave to Moses. Most of the people Joshua was addressing today were in the latter stages of the fulfillment of God's promises. However, they were there when God demonstrated his power by parting the Jordan River and began to possess the promised land. Their forefathers missed out on an extraordinary opportunity to be able to walk with them over the Jordan River. A father walking with his son said, man, this is is what it was like when we crossed the Red Sea. Oh, I wish you could have been there. The walls, see that? That's the way it was when we crossed. And on dry ground too. They missed that with their children. They missed out on that. They lost their testimony. 
the book of Acts church, the chosen people of the new covenant, God has given us exceeding, exceeding great and precious promises. 2 Peter 1 and 4 says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Whether you have been a child of God for, for six months or six decades, you have a testimony. Everybody here under the sound of my voice, by the way of the internet, has a testimony, a great testimony. For some, it's a testimony of deliverance of alcohol or drugs. Others delivered from depression or despair. That's right. Still others have uh, uh, testimonies of healed bodies, mended relationships, broken marriages. Many testimonies here in this building today. We have our own of what God has brought us from and carried us through. Hallelujah. Thank God for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for your favor. Like Joshua, as we journey toward the promises of God, we accumulate victories and grow through our failures. And as we continue walking by faith and not by sight, we see promises of God gradually begin to unfold in our lives. Here a little and there a little is coming. You can see things. You get a little glimpse of what's something you've been praying for and it just you see a little something. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. First Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What is man that thou, he is mindful of us. Think about that. He's mindful of me. For most Christians, our testimonies have come through, through battles. We've, have, we've experienced many challenges. We may have lost some battles, lost some loved ones, even bear many scars. But we are living by faith, and we keep moving forward and fighting that fight because our journey isn't over yet. If you hear me today, it's not over. You still have some miles to travel. The result of our testimony is God's provision and His faithfulness. Heed the warning words of, that God spoke to Joshua, to Israel, and let us never forget what it took to get where we are today, that our elders in this generation, from this church, let's not forget them. Hallelujah, the load that they carried. We're here today for the, because of them. I'm so thankful for our elders these testimonies for, of them, they, they shouldn't be put up or shut up. They needed to be shared. and rem, We need to be reminded of that. Just as Joshua echoed God's voice to a blessed and prosperous Israelite nation, we must remember to heed the voice of God in our own blessed lives. As Joshua urged Israel, he said this in Joshua 24, 14. He said, Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, and in, in Egypt serve ye the Lord. Apparently, from this scripture that I just read, they already had some strange, strange gods among them. 
If he's telling them to put them away, they must be having, they must have had some with them. This happened hundreds of years after God called Abraham. His family was still struggling to surrender these or those idols from their past. It seems they have embraced what their parents picked up from the worship of some of the Egyptian gods while Israel was in bondage. I'm telling you, the struggle is to be free in our mind. When we're free in our mind, we change the circumstances around us. We change our outcome when we change our mind. We begin to control, when we begin to control the temperature in our atmosphere, things begin to change. Brother, somebody preached this, I think it was, I can't remember now, but he was talking about faith, the faith to forgive. He said, I, it does, you got to take the thermostat from them. You got to take it from them and put it in your hands, your possession. And whatever their temperature is, that's their temperature. But over here it's 72 degrees all season, all year long. It's the same here. I don't know what's going on over here, but over here it's just fine. You've got to control the temperature in your life, in your home. Praise God. Our five senses are the gates to the soul and the enemy uses these gates to relay information. And that's why it's extremely important to guard what we allow in our homes. As a body of Christ, we must guard against the danger of embracing gods of our culture, this culture. While God is leading us into His promises, we must never become divided or divided in our loyalty or devotion to Him. We must hear and heed the first words that God spoke to Moses when He said, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. No one else did this. I did this, Moses. I did this. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Hallelujah. The greatest commandment of all. We have to remember that and teach that to our children. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. And it's said in the Gospels, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. He said on these two commandments, you can hang all the laws and the prophets. It has to start with these two commandments. To bear the fruit of the Spirit, we have to start with those two. Praise God. Hallelujah. Joshua urged those of the Old Covenant to serve God with sincerity and completeness and turn aside from their false gods. God's voice echoes in the chambers of this 21st century. In Joshua 24 and 14, he says, Serve me with completeness and turn aside from false gods that distract and hinder you. As Joshua brought his message to a close, he came to a resolution. He challenged them to draw a line in the sand, a proverbial line. He said, we have to decide today. Decision time is now. And he listed for them three choices. He said, you can serve the God of Abraham, the false God of Abraham's ancestors, or the gods of the land in which they are now living. Joshua's point was abundantly clear. It was time to decide. 
For many years, Israel had made decisions based on the masses which allowed them to escape individual responsibility. That sound familiar in this 21st century? Just following the crowd. No, it's time for you to decide. Not y'all, you. You to decide. They murmured together. They worshipped the golden calf together. Doubted together. Even experienced victories together. And Joshua declared this day was going to was going to be much different. It's time for a change. And he said, choose you this day. In Joshua 24, 15, whom ye will serve. No matter what others do, we must make a personal decision to lead our homes in the ways of God. We're going to do church together. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. We have to teach our children this. They should not be surprised that that daddy's up there worshiping or praising God. I'm almost certain that no parent in here is going to have a child come up to you in the morning and ask you if if he or she has to go to school. So I'm hoping that Wednesday night that the same thing won't happen that are we going to church? Or surprised that we do go. That should never be a surprise in our homes. It should just be in our heads that we're going to church. And if somehow we're not going to church, that should just shock them. That should just put them in awe. We're not? Why? Praise God. That's serving. That's, that's the meaning of ask for me in my house. Because we're, we're looking for a crown laid up in glory. We're, we have to be kingdom minded. This world's going to burn up, and soon, very soon. We're going to have to worship together. Inability to control our, our children's spirit leaves them without resistance to other gods, or, or, or other things, rather, like carnal entertainment or conformity to the world values can, can, can creep in if, if their spirit's not right. We can't allow the God's Others embrace calls us to lay down our own convictions and commitments to God. Every individual must choose. Joshua's challenge was bold and direct, so his answer to his own challenge, he had he, 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 he gave them he, he had seen Israel stagger between loyalties for years. He's seen that. He had witnessed the idolatry of God's people in Egypt. He saw firsthand their tendency to gravitate toward false gods throughout their journey toward the promised land. Joshua sensed an urgency of the hour. Maybe he seen something in their eyes that he recognized. He saw the double-mindedness still present in some Israelites. So he challenged them to choose. Wait a minute, let's don't go any further. We've got to have a talk. But before giving them a chance to answer for themselves, he boldly declared. He said, I'll just go ahead and tell you where I stand. Ask for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. I'll answer first. I'll be the first one to answer. The line drawn, the die cast. Joshua's decision preceded the answer of, of theirs. Hallelujah. And he declared what he was going to do in his home. Joshua's question still hangs in the air for us to answer today, whom will you serve? The time for wavering is over. When the day dawns, 
What will our answer be? What will it demonstrate in our walk? Will it, will it be demonstrated in our walk? Will we walk like Christ? Will we talk like Christ? Tomorrow, if we call on our jobs, will they see the light of God inside of us? Or is that just on Sunday morning? Oh, there's a soul on your job site that needs hope. And the only hope they may see may come through you. And you must be on your best come Monday morning. We have an obligation to those around us. Hallelujah. I feel an urgency of the hour. I feel an urgency of the hour we live in. Our choice will always be followed by our actions. Praise God. Gifts and talents are not proof of the favor of God. They're great, but they're not proof of the favor of God. Gifted people are not always spiritual people. We battle different adversaries than those that Israel battled. And we're tempted by different gods than they were. Our weapons are not carnal. And we don't fight against flesh and blood. We don't fight against nations and clans. Neither do we advance on or conquer physical territories. We don't riot. We don't march out in front of abortion clinics hanging up signs. By the way, we do preach against abortion. Thou shalt not kill. We wholeheartedly preach against that. It's an abomination to God. And we'll stand. We are in the dereliction of our duty if we don't preach that. If we don't preach what's in that word, it's not answering to your pastor. It's answering to him. He'll come and remove your candlestick. And I don't want him to take mine. So I must, Brother Trail, preach what the word of God says and yes ma'am, yes sir, abortion it absolutely is wrong but we're not going to go out there and march and protest, we're going to preach it right here behind the pulpit, praise God and it's going to be offenses offenses, the Bible said offenses will come, the word of God is offensive it's supposed to be, it was designed that way, you're going to get your toes stepped on, you're going to get your feelings hurt Praise God. Hallelujah. The gods that grabbed our hearts are not carved out of wood and fashioned of brass. They, we, we serve much different gods than they did. In fact, our gods today are, oh, they're all over the place. You pick up your phone, huh? Going into a store, it's all over the TV. We have gods all over the place. We fight many heart battles. We must conquer bitterness and unforgiveness too. We will fight against carnal appetites of lust and greed and worldliness. We're going to fight these idols of entertainment. My goodness. It ain't just Hollywood now. We used to preach against and still should preach against Hollywood. Nothing good comes out of Hollywood, by the way. They designed it that way. You can ask them. They didn't mean for any good thing to come out of it. It's on purpose. But it's not just Hollywood. There's many other things now. Many things. Joshua 4, 9. I'm just fascinated by this scripture. It says, And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood. 
And they are there unto this day. I'm just fascinated by this scripture. I know I've mentioned it behind this pulpit before. And I was studying through this and, and I realized something I didn't see before. It doesn't say that God told him to place the stones there. We assume God told him, but maybe, maybe Joshua did this on his own will. Joshua was there, you see, in Numbers 13 when God told Moses to send the spies to search the land. He was there. Israel was set to make their move into the promised land. They were set to leave. I mean, it must have been the talk of Paran, which is where they were. I mean, that must have been, they were ready. They were excited to go. All packed up, set to leave at dawn, if you will. As soon as the spies return, they're leaving their past behind. They're getting out of here. On to new adventures, a new life. They'll be leaving this wilderness. They're so close to this promise. It's right there at their fingertips. The last mile. They got one more mile. They're in their last mile. They can see the finish line. And then the spies came. Ten of them gave a false report. And most of the people, instead of trusting God's will, they trusted their senses of hearing. They allowed one of their five senses to instill the spirit of fear into their hearts and rob them of their promise. And Joshua was there that day. And he seen the peace of people lose out with God. He seen the light leave them and lift from their faces. Mm. The glow that was there, that excitement in their voice was forever kindled. And Joshua saw millions of people lose their walk. Millions lose their walk with God with just in a few moments. This is what happens when we try and do things by our senses and not by His will. Our atmosphere changes, not for the good, but for the bad. Joshua saw the temperature change from weeping all nights in their tents to being at the point of murdering God's faithful leaders before being stopped by the Shekinah glory of God. Joshua tried one last time, he and Caleb, to convince them, but they instead set out to stone the leaders. And Joshua was witness to this. He seen this. And some of the people would most likely be some of his friends and family members, cousins maybe. He grew up with these people. And he's seen them lose everything. He's seen the glory of the Lord fill the tabernacle of the congregation. Oh, hallelujah, can you see it? The glory of the Lord come down in all, in all his wrath. He's mad. He's had enough. He's had a belly full and he's getting ready to destroy every one of them. He's just, he's just, the murmuring's enough. I've heard it. I'm coming. And God was ready to destroy them. And Moses one more time stood in the gap for them. And God heard Moses' prayer. And he forgave them. But they would lose the privilege of enjoying the promised land. All over the age of 20 would wander in the, for 40 years in a circle until the day they died. My God, what a tragedy. And Joshua witnessed this. Joshua was standing at the border of the Jordan River 
after everyone had crossed over and something, hallelujah, something came over him. Just follow me here. I'm I'm going off based of a possibility that that he did this on his own own accord. I'm not trying to start up a new doctrine here. Joshua perhaps told the leaders to to go on ahead. It's a car. You go on ahead. Reuben, Gav, have Travis Manasseh. We know you're going to leave after the war, but y'all go on ahead and set up over there. Uh, Well, Asher over there. Yeah, you go on over there. I've got to do something. There's something I've got to do. What you got to do? I got to do this on my own. And he began to lug these great stones and and theologians say that these stones that they took out and set outside the river were around 200 pounds so I don't know how heavy these stones that Joshua picked up were but they must have been heavy and he put them in the midst of the riverbed and he said I've just got to build a memorial here there was something that Joshua had to do just Joshua that there was this was personal this was going to be a personal memorial he was building before God just between him and God hallelujah maybe he was building on another promise maybe he felt like they he seen something in their eyes that he had seen before he recognized that look he recognized that candid attitude and maybe he said wait a minute oh hold on I got to make sure there's something left here because they don't look like their hearts are made up they don't look like they're ready yet I've got to go do something I've got to go build an altar to God I've got to build a way out I've got to make sure a remnant is saved for them hallelujah oh God help us Lord today help us Lord today he didn't want to see another generation of children grow up uncircumcised I don't believe that Joshua understood what he was building. Sometimes we build altars. We're in intercessory prayer and we don't understand the weight they carry. We don't understand the lives they change or save. We don't understand it. We just have to respond to it. And Joshua, Joshua was building an altar of stones that one day Hallelujah would set the world on fire. That these stones would signify 12 apostles. He had no idea about that. And, and, and none of these, the Bible says, Jesus said he lost none of them. He kept everyone that the Father gave him. He could not have known that one of them, that one of them would preach on the day of Pentecost. That because of this memorial, a remnant would be saved. That one day the captive would be set free. The blind died open, the deaf would hear the lame would walk he had no idea what he was building that day but he just felt an urgency he felt something needed to be done and so he started building an altar we've got to build an altar because we don't know what tomorrow holds we don't know what tomorrow holds and we got to build an altar we got to get in covenant with God we got to step into his promises we got to consecrate ourselves to God. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you today. He had no idea. I quoted this scripture before. I'm going to quote it again. He had no idea 
And they were going to be preaching here, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. I, even I, am the Lord. And beside me there is no Savior. He said, I am the Lord. And beside me is, is no favor. You know it pleased the Father that in Him all fullness dwell. In Him, not them. That's important that you catch that. It's in Him that all fullness dwells. Not them. One God. And He's talking about Jesus. Not another God not a separate God we're talking about Jesus Christ is God hallelujah if we ever stop preaching that we're in dereliction of duty brother Rayleigh you're in trouble with God if you stop preaching that God will come and remove your candlestick if you stop preaching on holiness if you stop preaching on Jesus name baptism he'll remove that anointing from you Hallelujah. Oh, I don't want him to take no oil from me. I don't want him to take that light from me. I want my light to shine. Oh, let before men that they may see my good works. In other words, that they may see hope in God in me. Praise God. We're not laying up treasure here, but laying up treasure beyond the blue. We're citizens of another kingdom. It doesn't matter what's going on in the political world. It doesn't matter what the news says. They're lying anyway. I said they're lying anyway. Well, not much. Yes, your channel's lying. They can't stop it. They can't stop it. Hallelujah. We're citizens of this kingdom. There will be no sorrow there. Hallelujah. I said, there'll be no sorrow there. What a day that's going to be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look on his face, the one who saved me by his grace. It wasn't by my will. I didn't deserve saving. I was a rotten human being. I didn't deserve none of this. But God thought it me. He thought he, I was worth saving. I had no idea why. But God said he's worth saving. I'm going to save him. Hallelujah. You're worth saving. You're worth saving. You're worth saving. Your testimony needs to be told. If the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? I've got a couple of minutes. I may go over just a little bit. Is that okay? Now I'm out of my notes. I've been out of my notes mostly here. Yeah. Sister Hernan sent me a message. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Mm. She sent it to me Friday. I listened to it twice Friday. First time I listened to it, I was driving. That was a mistake. Brother Polka couldn't help it. I'm down the interstate. I'm wiping tears, praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh. When I was growing up, Brother Herndon, we talked about it. When we were growing up, there's a generation in here today because the preachers back then, all they mostly preached was hell. And they thought that they, had, they were seeking the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about mom and dad, Aunt Lana, Uncle Jerry. Uncle Danny and Aunt Jane, they'll testify. 
they are here today. I'm here. Jerry's here. My sister's here today. Our, ki- our kids. Because somebody told them that if, if they're not born in the word and spirit, they're going to hell. And Jesus is coming. We forget to preach that. Jesus is coming. Quit worrying about that red heifer. That red heifer is no, none, none of our concern. We're not concerned about a red heifer. That's for Jacob's anyway. That's not for us. We're not worried about that. Our redemption already came. Our Redeemer already came. Hear me now. Jesus could come right now. I may not make it to work in the morning. It's that serious. And I'm here to tell you, if we're not, if we're not serious, children, teenagers are going to go to hell. I know that's just ugly talking, but I'm going to preach it anyway. That's right. Children are going to go to hell if they don't get this. And it's up to you, Mom. It's up to you, Dad, to make sure they get it. You'll answer to them. They'll be beside you. Why didn't you take us to church? You said it was okay. And he preached on the end. I listened to it again last night and dug him up. Named Brother Jeff Moses. I dug him up. I had to find some more of his. Oh, man. And he had his stuff together. I, I'm not going to go into all that, but it just, it just really burned in my soul. We are here. Israel has their heifers, by the way. And they'll be ready in the fall. I'm going to tell you this. There was a preacher that preached this here a while back. He said there's only two accounts in the history of the world that shut down the world. The flood and COVID-19. He said that Noah was on the ark a year and two months. COVID-19 was shut. We were shut down for a year and two months. That's not a coincidence. Jesus is coming. Brother Hagee said his his great-grandfather only seen one miracle in his life. Or his grandfather. His father seen two. And we can't even count the prophecies being fulfilled. We can't even count them. We can't keep up. You might read something today and can't wait to get to church Wednesday night to tell it. And it's already gone. There's something already else happened. I don't know how much longer we're going to be here, but not long. Not long. And we got to, I'll say it again, we're in dereliction of duty. If we don't start preaching that again, fire it up. If I have... I'd rather live in fear than ignorance. So preach, preach it to me. I want to go home scared. I want to go home scared that I'm not living right. I don't want somebody telling me, well, we got to wait. You know, this has got to happen. That guy, Whoa, hold on. No, 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 no. That's not what the Word says. The Word said nobody knows when he's coming. Not you. He could come at any time, and we need to continue to preach that. Praise God. Why don't we stand all across this building? I apologize for going over. I just felt that in the Holy Ghost. Lord, help us, God, today. Help us to ready our homes. 
We want our children living for you, God. We want them serving you, Lord, with their whole hearts, God. Because in case you tarry, God, they're going to have to carry the mantle, Lord. They're going to have to pass this on to their children and to their grandchildren. We can't forget this. We can't forget this, Lord. God, let it be written in our hearts, Lord. Oh, God, let us be convicted this morning. Let us be pricked in our hearts, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Why don't we take a few minutes, what's left, and uh, visit with one another and be back at 11. I believe, before you go, I really believe God's getting ready to do something today. I just, I feel like the Holy Ghost is going to move today. And we need to get behind Him. Can we, can we promise each other that, that we're going to wait on Him today and let God be God? I love you. Thank you for listening. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.